Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Nation, welcome to the show on another evening here, special day and time. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Also, a reminder, you can find myself tomorrow night at 1151 South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana, as I return to WCWO for Cagemas, the all-cage show traditionally on Christmas, postponed due to the weather until tomorrow night. I'll be stepping into the cage once again. But right now, I want to introduce to you our guest today. He is out of the great state of Texas. Ocho Camacho, thank you so very much for taking time out of your like to be with us. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on. I'm I'm excited. How's it going, man? Going fairly well. And since right. tonight to be your first time with us, I'm going to lead you off with our first timer question here. What okay. led to you getting into this crazy business of professional wrestling? Wow. Um, man, you know, there's there's so many things. Um, I, I want to say, you know, it, it all probably started back in elementary school, um, watching, watching wrestling on Saturday and Sunday mornings, um, and just, just watching these amazing athletes, you know, these larger-than-life characters, you know, like, Hogan and Warrior and Andre and, you know, um, the list goes on and on, just all the guys from that uh, that era. And, you know, just to watch them come out in these stadiums and arenas and just take control of all those fans and just put on a show. Um, I remember back in 1992 um, was the first show – my dad ever took me to and uh yeah i mean ever since then i just was hooked and i just wanted to know what it was gonna i wanted to know what it was like to be a part of that world on the other side of the the guardrail uh just i've always wanted to experience that since then getting into professional wrestling yourself did you have a background that helped prepare you for what professional wrestling was, be it a sports background or drama or anything like that? Or did you get into professional wrestling sort of cold where you weren't really prepared for the rigors of it once you started to train? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, the rigors of – professional wrestling are unlike anything else. Um, and I've, 
I can say that because I've I've trained with guys that played football. I've trained with guys that played basketball, that boxed, that did MMA, and they will all agree that professional wrestling training was the most difficult thing they've ever done. Um, but as far as my background goes, um, I took taekwondo for about a year uh, when I was 15. Um, so contact sports wasn't uh it wasn't too unfamiliar um and then just pretty much my whole life i've spent in and out of the gym um so as far as being hurt and being in pain and contact sports and things of that nature i've always been athletically inclined i'm used to training and things of that nature so i wasn't too cold getting in uh, but, you know, it's it, it was definitely different than what I was used to, if that makes sense. It does. Are you, like I said in the beginning, are out of the great state of Texas, and Texas has a very, very long and storied history when it comes to professional wrestling back in the territorial days dating back to the early part of professional wrestling you had of course various promotions within texas the world-class promotion out of dallas and before that it was ed mclemore's promotion you had the funks in west texas in the amarillo area you had uh, lucha libre groups coming up into the southern part of Texas, right over the border. And, of yep. course, as time went on, lots of promotions tried to run the sportatorium, such as Global Wrestling Federation and the NWA, after world-class promotion. Do you find yourself sort of studying the history of wrestling in Texas, or is that something you don't really delve into much personally? Um, I have, let me, uh, I've actually, I do currently wrestle for, uh, G global wrestling federation here is still, is still active. Um, Justin Bell right now runs that, uh, promotion and I'm, so he actually taught has taught me a lot about the history of the sportatorium and the uh the lineage of the the heavyweight title the texas heavyweight title and things of things of that nature um me personally i really haven't looked uh too much back into the history um but you know other than I, other than the guys in the business over the years that I've met um, that are still in the independent scene, guys that have made it all the way to headline WrestleMania um, that are all from Texas. Um, so I, you know, and uh, I know some of the guys that I've crossed paths with, you know, are on their way to, to make it big. Um, but as far as, you know, the history, um, I, I really can't say that I know too much about that, 
too much as as much as some of my my colleagues do. One of the things I have found over the years is that a lot of times fans will gravitate towards a style that is reminiscent of when whatever area they live in had a territory. So if you're in Memphis, a lot of times those fans prefer the more outlandish gimmicks and a lot of brawling. If you're in, for example, the Los Angeles territory, more of a straightforward professional wrestling. New York, a lot of times they prefer the bigger, more outlandish characters. When you go to shows in and around Texas or anywhere else for that matter, do you tend to notice things like that as far as the fans sort of gravitating to what they grew up with as far as the style in a given territory? Or do you see fans that follow different styles uh, more so than what they used to? Um, I want to say it's actually both. There is noticeably, um, if you wrestle in the outer areas um, away from the metropolitan areas here in Texas, some of these smaller towns, they they tend to enjoy a more old school style, a little bit of a slower slower match, uh, nothing too crazy, a good story. Um, if you wrestle in the more populated areas, it it's definitely a different fan base. Um, they seem to they seem to enjoy, uh, I guess you would call it the, more of a spotty match. Um, I've heard the term super indie, uh, just uh, things of that nature. Um, and then I've I've wrestled at promotions where uh, one time we wrestled there. Let's say, for example, the the fans were really into one thing. And then we wrestled there on a different date, and they were into something else. So it's Texas just has it's such a large area with so many fans. Um, it's the crowd can be different on any given day, but the one thing I'll say that's pretty solid is what the small towns bite on. Um, they really seem to enjoy a more more old school gimmicky slower story in the modern era that we're in right now a lot of promotions in the last couple of years have started to stream their shows on the internet whether it's a facebook live or youtube or fight tv or powerbomb.tv or any of the other number of streaming services that have professional wrestling on it. Some fans feel, and a lot of people in the industry for that matter, that it is a good thing to stream all of this wrestling because it gets more eyes on the product and more notoriety. On the flip side, there are people that feel that 
the streaming will hurt live attendance and merchandising because you're essentially giving the product away for free. There's hot debates on either side of the coin. What do you personally feel about the live streaming of shows? Um, I would I would say the latter. I think that it hurts the attendance, um, and I I feel like it it uh, it dilutes it. I because in my opinion, um, the the appreciation for live wrestling is is unparalleled, and I think more people need to go experience that in person. And it, it's just not going to happen with everything being streamed. Um, but just unfortunately, that's that's what it is nowadays. Everything's available live stream, so it's kind of hard not to follow suit and get left behind. But I, I do feel like having everything available on streaming, is, it, it's probably done some damage, I think, as far as live attendance goes. Now, for your own career, what would you say has been the largest crowd to date so far where you've performed in front of? Um, I think maybe about, I don't know, probably about five or 600. That's not bad at all. Yeah, it's all about five or 600. Uh, in the last few years, uh, once we got into the pandemic era of professional wrestling, merchandising became even more important than any other time. Wrestlers were trying to supplement their incomes when shows were on hold by selling whatever they could with their logo or name attached to it. Independent shows all across North America you can find any number of different items being sold to fans by professional wrestlers and other people within the industry. What are some of the strangest pieces of merchandise that you have seen someone trying to sell at a wrestling show? Oh, boy. Wow, that's a good one. Um... I've seen, man, <laughs> a strange piece of merchandise. I think soap, bar, uh, bar, bars of hand soap. That is a little bit unusual for sure. <laughs> yeah. He, he had this deal where he would say um, something to the effect of wa- wash your backside. And uh, he was selling soap there, bars of soap for a minute. People buy it, people buy it. Yeah, I, I actually bought a couple of them off of him. <laughs> oh, there you go, it works. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was just so out of it. It was so out there, I was like, yeah, bro, I'll buy a couple of them off you. Now, for your own personal career, what are some of the pieces of merchandise that you have available? 
Um, right now, I sell T-shirts. That's it. I've not, I've not had time to make much merchandise as I'd like to. What are the other aspects of professional wrestling that gets debated a lot, especially over the last probably five years or so, is the use of blood in professional wrestling. It's always been part of the sport, but in the last few years, as we have learned more from the medical community about blood-borne pathogens and diseases and so forth, a lot of people think that wrestling should steer as clear away from having blood involved as possible. Other people think it's fine sparingly. Others are all for it as much as people want to have on a show as long as people are tested beforehand. Where do you stand on the issue of blood and professional wrestling as it relates to 2022? Um, it needs to be used. I think it's fine sparingly. Um, and even then, so, uh, like you were saying, every, everybody just needs to make sure that they're clean. Um, it's not getting on the fans. It's, you're not damaging the venue. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to take into consideration, um, but definitely safety first and sparingly. Have you personally had many matches where there's been bloodshed, whether it's from you or an opponent? Uh, two. Yes, I've been in two. One was from an opponent and one was from myself. Uh, obviously, professional wrestling is a contact sport and things happen and that's just the natural part of the business. We all know injuries are going to pop up from time to time. What are some of the injuries that you've had in your career that you've had to overcome so far? Um, I have, during my training process, I tore my left calf. Um, I cracked my S1 vertebrae. Um, I had, I had some internal bleeding, um, about two and something years ago. I'm not sure what that exactly was from, and I'm actually recovering from a handful of injuries right now. Um, I'm, uh, I was just in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, actually, but yeah, um, I had an, a an abdominal injury two and a half weeks ago, uh, the, some knee damage a few months ago, a little, a little bit of my left shoulder is kind of messing up on me. I mean, it, you, you name it, it, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, my calf, um, dealing with an abdomen, a knee and a shoulder right now that I'm having to let recover. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, it's, uh, it's it, it is a contact sport. So I've I've gotten hurt more in the years that I've been wrestling than I have in the rest of my entire life. It is absolutely 100% a contact sport.
sometimes in the course of a show, injuries occur to other people uh, not directly involved in your own match that are particularly scary to the people on the roster, whether they're watching the match or they just hear about the accident in the locker room or what have you. What's been the scariest injury on a show you were doing that didn't directly involve your match? Um, the first one I can think of is uh, a colleague of mine. He, I guess his foot got caught on the rope on an, on a suicide dive. And uh, he ended up, he ended up landing on top of his head and the, somehow the top of his head hit, hit the bottom of the, the bottom of the ring. And there was a, an exposed steel bar there and it busted his head open pretty bad in the middle of the match. Um, I mean, he, he was fine, but he, he got concussed and he had to get staples in his head. I'm just going to put out there if you're concussed and have to have staples, you may not be fine. Yeah. Well, he, yes, absolutely. He, he made, he made a, a, a full recovery, but yeah, he, he was not fine at the, when that happened. Um, he didn't, he didn't get back in, but he, he did make a full recovery. Well, that's always good when, Full recovery happens. Yes, full recovery. You have been around long enough that I'm sure you have noticed if a promoter can put a ring in a given spot, he will try to run a show there. We've seen on the independent circuit any number of different types of venues used for wrestling, be it VFW halls or schools or church gyms, parking lots, barns, restaurants and bars, all kinds of unusual places for professional wrestling. What's been the strangest venue that you've ever encountered? Uh, It was... I want to say it was a rodeo, rodeo ground in Arkansas. It was outside, um, which is no big deal. I've wrestled outside before, but it was, it was out. I don't know what, what you call it, where they roped the horses and cattle. Um, It was out there in the middle of the, in the rodeo grounds. And then there's another one that also when we'd wrestled in bars before, but uh, this was a pretty small bar and we had the ring inside, which was supposed to be outside, but the weather wasn't cooperating. On the flip side of that, what would you say has been your favorite venue where you wrestled, whether it's because of the aesthetics or the accommodations or the energy from the crowd that's normally there, whatever reason, what's your favorite place? My favorite place is 
called The Halton Theater. Um, my home promotion, that's where we wrestle out of. And it is a, I guess, a classic or a, it's a vintage um, movie theater that's been rent was recently renovated. And it's just, it's a beautiful venue. It's a great size. Um, the acoustics in it are awesome. Uh, just the whole vibe, and it's got it's got an awesome lighting and a great sound system in there, and it's just it's a really big show feel. My um, that is by far my favorite place to wrestle. One of the things that is very vital to the success of any professional wrestler is cardiovascular conditioning if you don't have good cardio you just can't go in the ring and you're not going to have too much success in there what is your cardiovascular training regimen like kind of mix it in with with my weight training i when i weight train i don't really allow a lot of rest time in between my sets and in between my different workouts. And I'll typically start a training session for with about 15 minutes of cardio, you know, maybe half on the bike, half on the treadmill, and then I'll go straight to the weights and hit the weights for about 40, 40 minutes. Um, so my typically my workouts are less than an hour, but there with minimal rest in between sets. So um, if you can work out an hour, you can work out an hour, give or take, um, you, you can work a 20-minute match, you know, 25-minute match just fine. I don't, I don't really do a whole lot of running. I just work out with very little rest and try to keep it as intense as possible. One of the other aspects that is important to a professional wrestler's success is proper nutrition. A lot of wrestlers are extremely strict with their diet and do not deviate from it at all. Other wrestlers have a very loose diet and eat anything they want at any given time they want. Some people are sort of in between that. What's your diet situation like? I'd say I'm in between. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in between. I try to eat as lean as possible, but you know, I allow myself things that I enjoy, like pizza, fried chicken. Um, you know, the only thing I'm really, really strict on, and I won't deviate from, is the day of a match. Um, I'm pretty pretty strict on what I eat for breakfast, uh, how many calories I take in, and how how long do I have before my match? Because I usually won't eat for about four and a half or five hours before my match. Now, one of the things that 
can happen to a wrestler is they will eat too early before a match or too late right before a match, and that will cause them all kinds of physical duress during a match. Uh, If you eat too early, sometimes you just don't feel strong enough and you struggle that way if you eat too close to a match. Sometimes it will upset the stomach and make somebody sick. Have you ever experienced where someone did not get the timing down for their meal and it affected them physically during a match? Absolutely. I have eaten, I've eaten way too close to a match before. Um, and it was, I did it one time and I never did it again. One of the other parts of pro wrestling that is going to help determine if someone is successful or not is proper ring gear. If someone goes out there in a t-shirt and pair of gym shorts and tennis shoes, chances are they aren't going to get taken as seriously as someone that has proper wrestling boots, properly made tights or trunks, that type of thing. What is your go-to as far as wrestling gear and wrestling gear maker? Um, My go-to is a singlet. I have a custom-made singlet. Um, gauntlets, knee pads, and wrestling boots. Um, I get all my all my gear from a gentleman. Um, his company's name is Enigma Pro, and he is out of Mexico. Um, he does really good work. He's got a really good turnaround time. Um, but yes, I, I mean I absolutely agree uh, that we we say that you got to invest in yourself. Uh, before anybody's going to be willing to invest in you. And as uh, even our our coach at DFW All-Pro, he is very adamant about no T-shirts. you got to have custom gear, and you have to own a pair of wrestling boots. He will not let you go out there with T-shirts, uh, T-shirts, shorts, and tennis shoes. It, it's just not going to happen with him. One of the parts of professional wrestling that has gained a lot of traction in the last few years as far as popularity in the United States is the Lucha Libre style of wrestling. We're seeing more and more all Lucha Libre groups all over the country, uh, whether it is in places like Texas or Arizona where you would expect to see it or even up in my neck of the woods in Washington State, North Carolina, Indiana. There are several states out there that have Lucha Libre-specific promotions. Do you find yourself wrestling many matches that are under the Lucha style? Actually, I have not. Um, I... I, I can't say that I'm familiar with with lucha. I strictly do do American.
Now, if a promoter came to you and asked you to do a Lucha Libre match, I know you haven't wrestled many of them, but is that something you would be willing to do, or do you tend to not try to wrestle that type of style? Um, I would do it. Um, I have, I you know, I have a, I have plenty of colleagues that that do wrestle lucha libre style. Um, you know, I would just quick learn some fundamentals with those guys, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure we we could do something. I've just I've actually never been contacted by uh, any of the lucha promotions around here. They they have a lot of guys that come from Laredo and Mexico and fly in from deep South America with uh, you know that have extensive lucha background. Um, so they you know they they get guys that have years of lucha experience. But if uh, I think if I got contacted, I I would do it. One of the other styles that has increased in popularity over the last few years is the British style of wrestling, which is a lot more scientific-based, a lot more on the mat than American pro wrestling, not as uh, striking-based as the Japanese style of wrestling, is the British style of wrestling, something that you enjoy watching and or performing? I'm honestly not really familiar with that. Um, no, sir. Just the the American style is mainly what I what I do and what I enjoy watching. Fair enough. Oh, here in 2022, we have seen a lot of national promotions that are very prominent right now, uh, possibly the most mainstream-friendly wrestling era that we've seen in decades. You have WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, sort of a mainstream national company. The NWA doing well. Wow Women of Wrestling is owned by CBS and is on a national platform. Lots of options out there for wrestlers and for fans to enjoy. Do you follow much of the national wrestling just as someone in the industry sort of getting a feel for what the fans might be seeing at that level, or do you tend to not really follow it and stick to what's happening in your own independent area? Um, I always, I think it's good personally to keep your eyes on everything. I mean, cause there's so much out there. Um, I like watching I don't watch the national shows as much as I I used to or as much as I'd like to. Um, I tend to just, you know, I'll watch clips every once in a while um, of shows that just recently happened. But I always think it's a good idea to 
you know, be be kind of open to to whatever's going on, um, what what fans are responding to, um, what what kind of gimmicks people are working, you know, just to see these see these national companies and see what what the guys that have gotten to that level are doing. Um, it's anytime I've ever watched those shows, I, I I watch them now that I'm in the business with not so much as a fan, but as as a student, and it, watching the way they work, work the crowd, work each other. Um, but yeah, I I definitely enjoy you know AEW WWE. I just I being in the business now, I I watch it from a different standpoint. When your independent show, does the fan base you're seeing most often tend to react to things that are more similarly done to what is on television, or do they tend to react more to what maybe a promotion does at the independent level? Um, that. I feel I honestly I feel like I've seen a couple of guys maybe try to do things that were too similar to something that was seen on TV and a, a fan actually called them on it. Um so me personally I I try to steer away from doing stuff that I see on TV. Um and there's just there's so many good there's so much good talent here in Texas. We and we're we're not really bound to the TV restrictions. We're not bound to PG thirteen. We're not we're not bound to uh, television times and commercials and things like that. So. I think the fan the fans appreciate the freedom that the independent promotion has and what we can offer the crowd with with the less restrictions of not being on TV. We've seen a lot of in my neck of the woods, growth over the last few years. There's more wrestling in the Pacific Northwest than ever before. Uh, We have a lot of promotions that are sort of feeding grounds for the national companies whenever they come to town. And we have four to 500 fans at a given show on a regular basis. What do you see in your area as far as growth or decline when it comes to the the business side of the shows? I'm I'm not sure if I understand that question from the business side of the show. Yeah, are you, are you seeing an uptick in business, more fans attending, or are you seeing less fans? coming out or is it around the same as it's been the last few years? I think it's a little bit less. 
hit or miss. It, it, it individually, it's hit or miss. But overall, big picture, I think it's a little bit less. And I think it's it probably just may have to do with the economy right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a little bit down. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers have on their wish list of things to accomplish before they call it quits is wrestling in Japan. It's easier now than any time I can recall for an independent wrestler from this country to be able to make a trip to Japan to wrestle. Is going to Japan something that ever crossed your mind? Um, no, not really. I think one of my goals is to wrestle in Puerto Rico. Um, that's my home territory, and I've I've not got a chance to wrestle there. Um, I've I've never considered Japan. I mean, I'd probably go given the opportunity. Puerto Rico is very very famous for how violent the fans can be. They've been known to throw rocks and bottles. There's been riots in Puerto Rico before. There's a lot of stories of wrestlers that were very terrified to wrestle in Puerto Rico. In Texas, it's not quite that bad, but we know, at least in the territorial days, a lot of those fans were very, very serious about their professional wrestling, and things could get hairy for the wrestlers at times. Have you ever been in a situation where things look like maybe a riot could break out? Yes. Yes. I had a match. Actually, I've had a couple of matches in this smaller town out west of where I live. And uh, every time we were there when our match was over, we we got our stuff together and we got out of there as quick as we could before the fans started leaving the venue. It it was definitely one of those environments where you felt like something could happen as we, we were not liked there at all. (laughs) Glad everyone got out safe and sound though. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We, we, we made it a point to strategically park in a certain spot. So as soon as we were done with our match, we got our stuff and we got out of there because those, those fans are pretty, uh, pretty emotional out in that town. One of the lost arts of professional wrestling in the last few years has been the role of the wrestling manager on the national level. There's just not very many left. On the independence, there are still several out there, but you see a decline as to what there was a generation ago. Do you think that the role of manager is something that has become obsolete in wrestling, or do you think that we'll see a resurgence and see more wrestling managers come up in the next few years? Um. I think the wrestling manager is highly underrated. Um, It is absolutely not obsolete. 
Um, I know a couple of wrestling managers down here, one by the name of Nigel Rabbit and one by the name of Nastico. And those guys are, they're something else. I mean, they, they add so much to the show. Um, I think, don't think everybody can play that role as some of the great managers we've, we've seen in the past. Um, you know, like Heenan, Paul Bear, Jimmy Hart, you know, I'm sure there's, there's more out there I can't think of right off the top of my head, but, uh, it's absolutely not obsolete. There's uh, that is a a great place for a great character to to bring so much more to the show. One of the other aspects of professional wrestling that oftentimes is overlooked is that of the ring announcer. They're usually the face of the company. A lot of fans automatically will presume that the ring announcer has authority within a show, whether they actually do or not. Ring announcers are vital for fans knowing how and where to spend the money for the promotion as far as buying tickets, merchandise, concessions, that type of thing. A lot of times promoters don't put a lot of thought into the ring announcers, and that can definitely show in the product, there's some out there that do excellent work that can make a show that's less than good seem a little bit better. Who are some mm-hmm. of the ring announcers out there that you have come across that you think might deserve a little more recognition? Um, I want to say the person I can think of is Brittany, Brittany Houghton. Um, she is, she's really great at what she does. Um, just like you said, it's, uh, it's the, really the first person that you're going to see of the show. Um, gosh, you know what? I'm so terrible with names and I've worked so many of these so many promotions and I know I know a good handful of ring announcers and I I can't just save my life right now think think of their names man but um, all I I can say is about the the ring announcers is that yeah absolutely Um, I've seen guys go out there in in shorts and t-shirts and I've seen guys go out there you know in suits great haircut and it it absolutely does lift up the product to the next level. Most definitely, I agree with you there. One of the I just other, wish, I wish I was so much better with names. I mean, because the guys definitely deserve recognition. I'm I'm so terrible with names. Not a problem. If, you think of some, we will pass the names along for you. <laughs> One of the other parts of professional wrestling that you don't see often anymore, uh, there are a few promotions that specialize in this, but 
on the mainstream shows, you don't see very much of the midget wrestling anymore. It's sort of become almost a lost art, and it's usually the midget-only promotions that you really see a lot of this. Do you think that midget wrestling is something that will eventually come back to mainstream shows and be part of just your standard show, or do you think that we're just going to see midget wrestling confined to its own thing? I think midget wrestling will stay it will stay separate from mainstream shows. Um, I, and not because it's not entertaining and not because they're not good performers. I just, I feel like it's commercialized as these big shows have become. I mean, it's all about money and endorsements and um, it's a business. And unfortunately I don't, from a promoter standpoint or a business owner standpoint, I don't think anyone is going to invest millions of dollars into um, a midget wrestling promotion, unfortunately. And, and, And that's not me speaking for me. It's just me speaking from what I feel, uh, the business, the money guys, probably what I think what they would decide about it. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of our show. I want to make sure you have ample time. So if there's anything at all you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything, everything, social medias, upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite seafood restaurant, anything at all you want, floor is all yours. All right. First of all, I want to make a shout-out to DFW All-Pro Wrestling Academy and my trainer, Lou Gotti. Without Lou, there would be no Ocho. He trained me. He gave me the building blocks. Um, I put in the work, but he showed me the way. I want to give a shout-out to my wrestling family, my little brother, the juggernaut Angel Camacho, my two cousins, Zarek and Onyx Camacho, my little sister, Emmy Camacho, putting in the miles, we're putting in the work, tearing it up, making a name for ourselves, putting all the locker rooms on notice. want to give a shout-out to God. Without him, nothing is possible. And last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to the fans. Thank you all so much. Whether y'all are booing or cheering, thank y'all for coming out on a Friday night, on a Saturday night, after a long week, spending your hard-earned money to cheer us, to boo us, to give us your energy. We love that. We love performing for y'all, whether y'all cheer us or boo us. Without fans, professional wrestling would be worthless. Um, We love y'all, and that's it. And I look forward to what next year brings. And when I get fully recovered, I'm going to get back on the road and start hitting the grindstone again, 
working some shows and making some memories. Well, Ojo from Montreal, I want to thank you so, so much for taking time to be with us tonight on a special day in time. I hope you get fully recovered very soon and have a great start to your 2023. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Fans, definitely if you see that he is going to be at a show near you, go buy a ticket and watch what he does, buy some merchandise, pick up one of those T-shirts he mentioned. Great performer, so support what he does. Don't forget, I will be at WCWO tomorrow night inside the confines of a steel cage, 1151 South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana. And as we round out the show, a couple of notes of some sad news to report. Earlier this past week, we lost former guests of the show. Uh, We lost Scrapyard Dog, who passed away on Saturday at the very young age of 54 due to a cardiac arrest. Very, very sudden. We also lost a couple of days ago Stefan Bonner, who was a guest of this show and someone we had on some local Pacific Northwest shows as well. Our own colleague, Coach Mike Jones, of course, teaming with Stefan Bonner multiple times. So we want to give our best wishes to all of were involved with these two gentlemen. We, of course, will definitely miss them. So as we end the show tonight, we are going to do our traditional 10-bell salute in honor of both Scrapyard Dog and Stefan Bonner, who both left us way too soon. <laughs> 